if you've got the personality, you know, you care about people, you have that attention to detail, you know, it sounds cliche, but you will go that extra mile to make sure everything is perfect. Those things are personality traits. You can't teach people to be that way. When I did have my teams, I always hired on personality rather than experience. I would say, you know, go for it, apply for the role, even if you don't have the experience, because actually I would value that so much more over a degree in event management, for example, because you cannot learn in the classroom what will happen out in the ballroom and and on the wedding day. You know, you have to experience that. Are you searching for your ideal career, fed up of your daily grind, or simply want to hear some inspiring stories? Then you've come to the right place, because it's time to do a job you love. It's time to get work savvy. Welcome to episode 27 of the Get Work Savvy podcast. I hope that you're well, and I'm so glad you could join us for another episode. For those people who are new, then hi and welcome. My name's Liam Gardner. I'm an e-product manager working for a national training provider in the UK. And the short story is that it took me over 10 years to find a job or a career that I truly love working in. And I want that for you too, but I don't want it to take you 10 years like it took me. So each week we bring you a new interview with a different guest from a wide range of different industries. They share their story on how it is they found a job or created a career that they love. And we explore the different tips, tricks and advice that they have to help you in your journey. If you're in the UK, I hope the sky's blue and the sun is shining for you. I know we wait so long for our summer to arrive and then often we get periods of weather such as we've been experiencing this summer. If you're elsewhere, I hope that you're having a fantastic day and the sky is blue and everything is good in your world. This week we're going to speak to the fabulous Kelly Mortimer who has an absolutely fascinating story and I can't wait for her to share it with you. I'm going to let her explain exactly what she does because let's be honest, she's going to do a much better job than I ever could. But one key thing that I took away from this episode is when an opportunity presents itself, don't procrastinate too much, take a chance, and you never know where it's going to lead you. If you do like the episode, why not give us a like and a review in Apple Podcasts or the podcast player of your choice. Equally, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Get Work Savvy. I'd love to hear what you think, any suggestions of people you think I should be interviewing, or how I can improve the show. Don't forget, at the end of the show, I'm going to summarise all the key takeaways to help you get work savvy. So without any further delay, let's start the interview section of this podcast. So hi to Kelly and welcome to the Get Work Savvy podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm really well, thank you. Excellent. So pleased that you could come and share your wonderful story with the listeners today. For those people who aren't aware of what it is that you do, could you just give a brief overview about what your job entails? Yes, so my official title is I am an international wedding venue expert and wedding sales trainer. So that's quite a mouthful. (laughs) But it's in a a short version. I really help wedding venues to become more successful, teach them specific sales techniques and help them to market and promote their venue. Excellent. That sounds like such a fascinating role. And I remember when I first started speaking to you on LinkedIn, I thought, wow, that sounds like an incredible career. (laughs) But I do wonder, what was it that you actually thought you were going to do having left school? Was this always the game plan or or did you have another career in mind? Not at all. I had no idea I would fall into the world of weddings. It was a complete accident. So when I was at school, I actually wanted to be a TV presenter. So I studied performing arts when I left secondary school. But obviously, when you leave college, uh, it turns out there isn't this huge array of jobs for TV presenters. (laughs) And so I did various different jobs, nothing really sort of 
grabbed my attention all that much. I worked in retail. I was an estate agent. I tried a little bit of everything, but nothing really grabbed me. Then eventually I decided I wanted to travel. Everybody else was getting married and having kids. Uh, I thought, mm, that's not for me just yet. I joined Thompson and I went to work for them in the Caribbean planning destination weddings. Absolutely amazing. The TV presenting thing didn't necessarily work out, but I've seen some of your fine work on YouTube and some of your videos on LinkedIn. So you've been able to kind of squeeze that dream into there with some of the episodes that I've seen you produce. So fantastic. I have. And actually the training I had back just over 20 years ago has actually served me really well because actually a big part of what I do is training days and training sessions and sort of having those presenting skills as well as on the videos for social media has come in very useful at this point in my career. (laughs) Yeah, I could tell that you'd had some kind of training because you're just so good at it. Thank you. Let's dive into your journey a little bit then. You mentioned that you found those careers that you started and they weren't necessarily for you. No. And then the Thompson thing, was that all just by coincidence or? It was all very accidental. I was actually working in the estate agents at the time and a girl came in and she was selling her flat. And I obviously asked her why, you know, I was building rapport and trying to sell her something else. And she said she was selling up, moving abroad, and she'd got a job with a holiday company. And I thought, wow, that sounds brilliant. I mean, I was 20 years old. And I really wanted some excitement in my life. So that was the person who gave me the idea. And she changed my life, actually. And I don't know who that woman is now, of course. So then I went. And for the next 10 years, I worked in various countries all over the world. I worked for a few years for Thompson. And then I started to join hotel chains directly. And always in the wedding side of things. So selling and planning destination weddings. I was really lucky. I lived in Dominican Republic, Cuba, Mexico, Sri Lanka, all over Spain. I had a really great 10 years. (laughs) Absolutely incredible. And I think sometimes you come across those people that you have those incidental conversations with and you think, wow, that sounds amazing. But you actually acted upon it. So absolutely brilliant. I'm not a procrastinator. That is one thing about me. Once I decide I'm going to do something, that's it. It happens. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. So you've moved out, you've gone to these various locations. And how did you know it was for you? It's a great question because I had no experience in weddings whatsoever. And when I started, it was very, very small. You know, it was sort of five people on a beach and then booking them a dinner reservation. It wasn't sort of wedding planning as it became a couple of years later in my career. And so I really learned by doing. I made a lot of mistakes. And as soon as I made them, I never made them ever again. So I think sometimes we have those incidental conversations with people. And you said that you are not somebody who procrastinates necessarily. No, absolutely. (laughs) what made you decide that it was actually for you when you went out there it could have been that you did it for a few months and come back what was that why what drives you to do what it is that you do and that's a great question because actually when I left the UK I said to my mum I'm probably just going to be gone for six months you know it's one of those sort of experiences and I'll be back soon and of course although I came back for holidays I didn't come back to the UK to live for 10 years And I really fell into it. And as soon as I started planning weddings, it just felt right. I loved it. It used all the skill set that I naturally had, all my organizational skills, attention to detail, really making people feel special. I just loved it. All the things I needed, I had, and it worked. And so I started off just doing very small weddings for Thompson. It was sort of, you know, five people on a beach and a dinner reservation. 
but later, you know, within a year or two, I was moving on to working directly for the hotels and then doing sort of 200 people banquets on the beach, which was obviously much more exciting. But yeah, it just resonated with me. And I finally thought, yeah, this is what I'm good at. And this is what I can do really well. Absolutely brilliant. And you started off small and you got a bit of a taste for it. And then you moved to those larger weddings where it was a bit more than just booking that dinner reservation. What's involved with this particular job then? I guess you kind of take care of all of your clients' needs. How does that work? Yeah, so when I was planning, because obviously now I don't plan, now I help venues to increase their revenue. But when I was planning, it's a hand-holding situation. So you also have to have quite a diverse skill set because you have to be able to be quite a smart salesperson to actually get those couples to commit to you and to your venue. Then you have to have the attention to detail throughout the planning. And then on the day, you have to have that operational side of actually making things happen on time. And to be honest, it's come hell or high water. Things have to happen. And during my planning years, I had plenty of situations which I would not love to repeat that that have challenged me to sort of come up with a solution on the spot. But there's a huge satisfaction when you fix things and, you know, a wedding couple don't even know that anything went wrong behind the scenes. And, you know, at the end of the night when your feet hurt and those things have happened, but they've got married and they've had a brilliant day, there's a huge, immense feeling of satisfaction with that. Yeah, I bet you're absolutely beaming with pride at the end of the day if it's all gone successfully. And yeah, thinking on your feet and having those problem solving skills must be really valuable as well. Absolutely. So if anyone was thinking about getting into the career of wedding planning, I know you're doing the training now, but if anyone was thinking about potentially it sounds like an exciting career that they might consider dipping their toe in, would you suggest any particular course skills that people would need to have, perhaps communication, I guess? Later on in my career, I led a team of 50 wedding coordinators and I always hired on personality. You know, learning how to plan weddings is not brain surgery. If you've got the personality, you know, you care about people, you have that attention to detail, you know, it sounds cliche, but you will go that extra mile to make sure everything is perfect. Those things are personality traits. You can't teach people to be that way. When I did have my teams, I always hired on personality rather than experience. And so if people do want to get into, you know, that side of things and and work at venues, wedding planning, I would say, you know, go for it, apply for the role, even if you don't have the experience, because actually... I would value that so much more over a degree in event management, for example, because you cannot learn in the classroom what will happen out in the ballroom and and on the wedding day. You know, you have to experience that. In a previous episode where I spoke to Callum, the air traffic controller, something he mentioned was that you can have all the qualifications in the world. You can be a phenomenal physicist, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the right fit because you might not be good at problem solving. And especially being that customer focused and you're the person who's that communication piece between the organizers of like all the venue and, and all of the different things that you have to think about and the customer that like you say you have to have that bubbly personality so yeah I think that's a great tip to share with people thank you for that Kelly Welcome. you've moved into the world of training and helping people to grow their wedding businesses yeah. you mentioned that you obviously worked your way up the ladder and become that kind of leader of the team of wedding coordinators that you had how did you make the jump from being employed to start in your own organization and your own business that's a great question so after I think around 15 years of planning and selling myself personally so you know I was on site literally doing all the show runs handling all the inquiries handling all the planning doing everything and that was about 15 years worth of experience as I mentioned across all of those different countries and then I came back to London and worked in the five-star market with the a-list celebrities 
I've done two events for Her Majesty the Queen, you know, really sort of going to the top end of the business. So I worked my way through the venues and, and through to, up to the luxury market. And then I took a role overseeing the sales of weddings for 45 properties. So that was the moment I stepped off property and started to look at training and strategy and really sort of working out how to move those 45 properties forward. And for me, it was, I want to say easy, (laughs) (laughs) because I could clearly see the steps we needed to take with those 45 properties to make them all successful. It was obvious to me when I looked at them. So it was a brilliant role and it was completely brand new. The company had never had that role before, but they realized they needed somebody to basically, you know, head up wedding sales and they didn't know how to do it as many venues don't. So that was the step I took there. And then I spent a couple of years working with those 45 properties and managing those 50 wedding coordinators. And I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. And it was very, very successful. And I was able to increase revenue and have that team so trained and mostly on sales because they all know how to take care of couples and they all know how to plan weddings. But the weak point is how to be a good wedding salesperson. And obviously that part is what increases your revenue and increases your conversion from inquiries to booked weddings. That was really my focus for those two years. After a couple of years, I realized that was needed by so many other venues. And not every company or every venue can afford to have a group wedding sales director. But what they could do is have me for a short space of time, a day, a week, an hour, whatever it is that they could afford. And it suddenly became clear to me that actually what I needed to do was start my own company and offer that service and my knowledge and my experience to everyone (laughs) rather than just keep it within that company and those 45 properties. Absolutely perfect. So sounds like the opportunity came up and it was the ideal fit for you and you've made an absolute success of it. So congratulations on taking that step. Thank you. It was really exciting. But as I said earlier, I don't procrastinate. And once the idea took hold in my head, I sort of remember saying to my husband, that's it. I'm going to resign this week and I'm going to start the business. <laughs> Luckily, he runs a company, so he does understand that sort of entrepreneurial feeling. But I think he thought I was going a little bit quickly, but I knew other venues needed this. You know, I knew that they could benefit and that once I sort of let people know that I was doing this, I felt confident that business would come in and thankfully it did. <laughs> Excellent. I'm so happy that it worked out for you. And It sounds like you absolutely know your stuff and wow, doing two events for the Queen, it wasn't the two princes by any chance, was it? I was on the team at Mandarin Oriental that hosted Will and Kate's rehearsal dinner. Wow. Then when I worked at Claridge's, we had an event where the Queen was giving an award and I was in charge of sort of making sure she entered the ballroom at the right time and sort of so I was with her outside the ballroom and making sure the doors opened at the right moment and she walked through so that was all very exciting but yes I also managed lots of events for top celebrity A-listers and it was all very exciting times. (laughs) Yeah I imagine the buzz you must have had on those particular events and fabulous to look back on them and remember the good times yeah brilliant achievement And the Royal Seal of Approval as well. So you can't get better than that. (laughs) (laughs) So looking back on your journey then, you've transitioned into this successful training business. You've got so much, a wealth of experience and knowledge in in this particular industry. But what would you say your biggest challenge has been? I honestly don't know what the answer is to that. I can give you an interesting story from when I was planning, but that isn't sort of the biggest challenge of my career. Okay, yeah. So for example, 
one of the things that really sticks out in my memory from all my years of planning was a destination wedding in the Dominican Republic. And everything was all set up beautifully on the beach. If you can picture it, the beautiful gazebo set up, the Caribbean sea behind, all the chairs perfectly lined up, all of the guests sat on the chairs, the sun beating down, and the bride in her dress, in her room, waiting for me to go and get her to bring her down. So we're really at the crucial moment of everything. And at that point, I realised that the registrar has not yet turned up. And I give them a call, and they say that they can't make it today. No. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, what do you do then? First of all, your heart skips a beat because ultimately you are responsible as a wedding venue manager, coordinator. It is your job to make everything perfect. It doesn't matter if it rains, which, you know, is out of your control. It doesn't matter if the registrar doesn't turn up. You have to fix everything. So first of all, I, I didn't breathe for about 30 seconds. And then I came up with a plan and I called the ex-registrar who was retired, but who I'd worked with for a few years. And I asked him if he could come and perform a symbolic ceremony that would look and sound exactly the same as the legal one, but wouldn't be legal. And that we wouldn't tell the guests, I would explain it to the bride. And if she agreed, then we would have the registrars come back the next day and just simply sign the documents officially the next day. Obviously, she wasn't best pleased. You tell a woman in a white dress that she isn't legally getting married that day, it doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> but she did get my plan B and obviously she was relieved there was a plan B and that her guests would never know that they hadn't witnessed the real wedding so that's what we did the uh, retired registrar sort of zoomed over in his car did the exact same ceremony as would be on the legal she walked down the aisle there was a wedding then they had their dinner and dance and then the next day the bride and groom and the witnesses came to my office with the registrar and we just signed the documents that one really stands out as one of one of the biggest challenges I had during my planning career. Oh, I don't know what I'd have done in that situation. Well done for thinking on your feet there. Like, wow. <laughs> I dread to think the reaction, initial reaction before you proposed. But here's the good news. Here's the bad news. And the thing is, you feel for them. You know, you get how awful it's going to be when you deliver that information. And, you know, you have to just deal with it. But yeah, so that's probably the one that pops into my mind most. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You think it's bad enough being here and that happening, but having flown everybody out. Exactly. Oh, no. Yeah, like, well done for getting through that particular event. <laughs> These days, I don't have those sort of challenges, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, your heart doesn't kind of race quite as quickly now, I should imagine. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that with us, Kelly. That was a brilliant insight of potentially something that could happen to you if you go into that industry. I've actually got another one as well, if you want. Yeah, go for it. When I was in London, so now sort of in the five-star market, and obviously the budgets were huge, and you're also dealing with a lot of big suppliers and bands. For one of my weddings, we actually had the band was Cool in the Gang. Wow. And this was booked by, so this was a gay wedding. One of the grooms had booked it as a surprise for the other groom. So we had to keep it really carefully under wraps at all meetings. So we had code words for the band so that the other groom didn't realise that Cool and the Gang were going to be there. <laughs> Literally about three weeks before the wedding, it was announced on the news that one of the band had passed away. Oh, no. So I rang the agent who had booked them and desperately tried to get hold of them to confirm that they would still be coming, even though obviously I was very sorry for their loss. 
I really needed them to come in three weeks. And obviously we were flying them over from the States to London. And thankfully they did get a replacement. And so they did carry on and they did turn up. And it was a brilliant surprise for the groom. Uh, again, like you think you've nailed it by sorting out firstly an achievement, getting them to agree to come over. Yep. And then, wow, what a massive curveball again. And then keeping it all a secret for an entire year. And then three weeks before, one of the band members dies. How are you going to get over that? <laughs> yeah, again, just proving your salt there and thinking on your feet and problem solving to a T. So <laughs> fantastic. That's an amazing story. If you look back on your career and you've got to the fabulous position where you are now, would you do anything differently? That's a good question. And my initial feeling is, no, actually, I wouldn't. All the experience that I've had and all the different things, even like we said, from having the performing arts training when I was younger, all of that has now come together to enable me to do what I do now and have the full skill set I need, which is absolutely brilliant. So I've got the personal first-hand experience of, you know, working for those big hotel chains, working at the venue itself, and learning by error, really, the best way to sell and plan weddings having that experience and confidence to sort of present and train and all of that mixed together now gives me everything I need. So I don't think I would change anything. Even those stories I gave you where things went wrong, you know, they've given me the backbone I need to have the sort of the guts to have started my own business and go forward with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think that for 90% of my guests so far have mirrored that story and, and I have to agree. I think that we all might wish to have got somewhere a bit quicker, but actually we learn so much by going through our journey and, and taking the paths. And absolutely, like you said, you've learned those skills along the way. I don't even wish I had got here quicker because each role that I've held, I've learned more and more about my industry. So now when I go into a venue, I have so much, ex you know, firsthand experience of what works and doesn't work to create success at a venue. And I couldn't have read that in a book. You know, you have to go through it. You have to do trial and error. But what I can do now is stop my clients having to do trial and error and just tell them what works. <laughs> yeah, absolutely spot on again. So yeah, I think that's great value for the listener. I think sometimes, even though you might not like doing it, I think from some of the things that I've kind of experienced and some of the stories I've heard from like more successful, famous people read or listened to their book, it's going through those experiences so you can relate like when you're going then to advise other people. Absolutely you can absolutely relate to that person. And one of my previous roles was I was a tutor and I was in a situation where I was teaching unemployed people. And I had the situation where I come out of uni and couldn't get a job. So I could kind of relate to their situation. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's so helpful and, and a great piece of advice for the listener. Yeah, I mean, I definitely find for me, when I train wedding coordinators, there's a level of understanding and respect between us because I know what their day-to-day -day is like. And I do go into a lot of companies, especially, let's say, you know, the big hotel chains where they will get all of their coordinators from all of their, you know, hotels around the UK and we'll bring them all into one place and I'll train them all in one go. And a lot of the time they've tried sales trainers before, but they've used people who have never sold weddings and the wedding coordinators don't want to listen to them because they don't understand what their day-to-day -day looks like. They don't understand how crazy their inboxes are, how difficult wedding couples can be and how demanding they can be. And so they bring in these generic sales trainers and the wedding coordinators aren't interested and it isn't helpful. So when I go to them and I say, look, I've been in your shoes for 15 years, then their barriers come down and they go, okay, 
she gets us. She knows what we're going through. And there's that really brilliant level of respect and understanding there. Yeah, like just being able to talk each other's language, it might seem like there's a natural synergy there, but actually like there's no replacement for experience and knowing what it is that you're training inside out is there. So yeah, I think that no wonder that they call upon your services. So thinking about, I know you've mentioned the queen and, and how prestigious that was, but what has been your proudest moment and not necessarily like the grandest award that you've had, but has there been one thing that you can point to that really kind of, when you look back on it, you think, yeah, that's made me proudest through my journey so far. Wow. That is a big question. There isn't one thing that stands out. Obviously being involved with people's weddings is a huge responsibility. And so you feel proud when you deliver that, you know, that great experience for them and you see how happy and thankful they are that you did that for them. So there's been a lot of those moments through my career where I've had that sort of gratitude from couples and you really feel it was worth it. I think when I transitioned off property and took care of those 45 hotels that I was mentioning earlier, taking all of those coordinators under my wing was a brilliant time for me, you know, to really transition from being the person, you know, on the ground with the couples to actually start giving back to the sort of next generation, if you like, really felt great. I loved it. You know, I loved motivating them, training them, being able to support them. I could see that many of them were struggling. They didn't have anyone to turn to. They didn't have a mentor. And so to be able to be that person and keep their spirits up and give them tools that would actually work for them and help their own success really made me feel brilliant. So I think that tide change that happened was really great for me. Absolutely fantastic. I know it's sometimes difficult to point to one particular moment, but I think you summarize that really well then. Obviously very proud to be involved with every wedding because it's that person's special moment, but in your personal career, having that change and then being able to see like those light bulb moments, I think that's an absolutely perfect proud moment. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. If somebody was interested in potentially looking into getting into this industry, obviously you're quite active on social media. So certainly give people your details at the end of the show. But is there anyone else that you can point to any resources, groups of individuals to follow? There isn't, to be honest, is the quick answer. (laughs) Okay, cool. I'll stop waffling that question. (laughs) It's just such a niche. There just isn't. Yep. No problem whatsoever. Another thing I like to ask people is when you're in that moment where you're trying to explain to the lady that the registrar's not turned up, or when you're in those difficult moments when you're thinking, blimey, you know, I just need to get through this. Do you have any wise words or quotes or words of wisdom that you kind of held on to to get you through that moment? I don't know words of wisdom or quotes, but I've always been very good at staying calm when everything is collapsing. That's not to say that I don't panic afterwards. But I'm very good at in that moment when things are falling apart, not letting my emotion overcome me and just managing to stay calm and just think clearly for a moment and say, okay, what can we do with this situation? So I remember this again was in the Dominican Republic and I had one of my team members and some things were going wrong with the wedding that she was managing. And I just took her to the side and she had tears in her eyes and you know I could see she was just about to fall apart. And I just said to her, look, When you're in an aeroplane and the turbulence hits, everybody looks at the air stewardesses, the cabin crew. And if they look calm and happy, you relax, you breathe. And I said, that's what the bride and groom are doing right now. They're looking at you. And if you look like you're panicking or you're about to burst into tears, they will begin to panic. 
So you need to look calm and collected and, you know, come back to the office and panic and cry and do whatever you need to do. But in front of them, have it all under control so that they then feel calm and don't escalate the situation. So I guess that would be something that I live by. And I have definitely had my moments where I've had to, you know, go to the toilet and have a quick cry and get myself back together and then go back out there with a calm, you know, smile on my face. (laughs) I think that's such a great piece of advice to share with people. It's staying calm. It's almost like being the duck, isn't it? You're calm on the surface, but underneath you're paddling away because (laughs) you're thinking, oh my God. But yeah, that absolutely fantastic. Thank you for sharing that and absolutely advocate that. There's no point you losing it and going to pieces because everyone else will think, well, if that's the person who's meant to be leading this, what's going on? Exactly. Fantastic. Could we just dive into what your average week looks like then, Kelly? Oh, good question. I don't really have an average week, which is something I really love. (laughs) So each week is completely different for me. There's various ways in which I work with venues. And so some weeks I might be on site analyzing a venue and really getting into the details of their packages and their pricing and what they're doing and, you know, how they do a show round. And I might be on site really analyzing. Another day I might be delivering training to 20 or 30 wedding coordinators. I travel a lot. So in the last couple of months, I've been at venues in Chicago, in Ireland, all over the UK. So an average week is really quite different for me. I also work with venues remotely. So I do a lot of video calling where I'm online with them, talking them through things and also following up with venues. So after I've delivered training where I've been on site with a venue, then I will do follow-up video calls with them to make sure they're really implementing everything in the right way. Absolutely fantastic. Sounds like you've got a busy calendar full of different events and thankfully you're a planner. And managing my husband and my son and the business all at the same time definitely takes that planner. (laughs) Fantastic. That's a brilliant answer to that particular question. In regards to people listening, whether they're interested in becoming a wedding coordinator or interested in your services or something completely different, have you found any books or audible books that you could recommend for people to check out that they might not have thought of or heard of before? Oh, that's a great question. I actually love audiobooks. I listen to audiobooks whenever I have a spare minute, especially if I'm driving anywhere. So if I'm driving off to a venue and it's two hours away, I will have my audiobook on in the car so that I don't waste those two hours. So some of my recent favorites, just having a thing, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg is one of my favorites. And it really talks about how everything in our life is built up of habits. And if you want to change your life, you have to change your habits. And you can start small and those lead up to big things, but we're just a sum of all our habits every day. And so by changing them, we can really make big changes in our lives. So I really like that one, although it's nothing to do with wedding planning. It's sort of a personal development. On a sales side of things, I really enjoyed The Way of the Wolf, which is by Jordan Belfort, which you probably recognize from the film. And his sales techniques are incredible and usable across all industries. And he's a very engaging person to listen to on his audiobook as well. So if you are looking for sales tips, then actually The Way of the Wolf is, is a pretty good one. Is that the Wolf of Wall Street film? Sorry, yes, I should have said that. The Wolf on Wall Street. He's the real guy that is played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And actually what happened in his life is after sort of, you know, he got clean from drugs and became much more on the right side of the law, he got into sales training. And that's what he does now. And so his book is really, I find it really, really interesting, some of his strategies. 
I've seen The Power of Habit, but I haven't checked out either of those, so definitely going on my list. And yeah, I also love it when the author actually reads the book as well. So yeah, thank you for sharing those, Kelly. If anyone's interested in those particular two books, then they will be linked in the show notes. So just tap in that on your podcast player of choice, and then you can find the links to the Amazon and an Audible link in there. Definitely check those two out. Just wrapping up the interview portion of this particular episode, just wanted to say an absolute thank you for sharing your story on here, Kelly. It's been so fascinating. If people are interested potentially in your services or checking out some of the fine work that you're doing, could you just direct people where to find you? Yeah, so I mean, the easiest place to find me is on my website. So that's kellymortimer.co.uk. My biggest social platform is LinkedIn because obviously my business is a B2B, is a business to business offering. So, so LinkedIn is the platform that I use the most, although you can also find me on Facebook. I've got a business page and also on Instagram. Absolutely fantastic. And again, for the listener, if you are interested in finding out and following Kelly on her journey, then again, I'll be linking her profiles in the show notes of this particular episode. Once again, just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing all your story, what it is you do and the fantastic insights that you have, Kelly. So thank you very much. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. What an awesome guest Kelly was and what a fascinating insight into the world of wedding planning and then further on that Kelly's been able to build a business training wedding planners to get the most for their business and improve their sales. Thanks so much to Kelly for sharing your insights. It's been absolutely fascinating listening to all the amazing stories that you had and all the tips, tricks and advice. Now for me, here are the key takeaways from this episode. The first of which is try to find something that gives you that real feeling of satisfaction There's nothing better than doing a day job where you actually get loads back from it yourself. And I know that's easier said than done, but try and find something that you seriously enjoy doing and really gives you that buzz at the end of the day. Another tip Kelly had for us was don't be afraid to make a change if you need to. You never know where something's going to lead you. So if it feels right, why not just go for it? What's the worst that could happen? Another key thing from this episode from some of Kelly's stories is some things you really can't panic for. It's good to get out of your comfort zone and just remember that when things happen that are a bit left field, it's really important to stay calm. And I think Kelly demonstrates some excellent examples how staying calm under pressure has helped her to get the results that she needed. And I think that that's something that you can really benefit from as well. So when things aren't necessarily going right, there's no point panicking about it. Just stay calm. Think about what it is that you can do to try and turn that situation around. Confidence is another key thing. I know we talked about that, I believe, last week. But confidence really is important. Even if you're thinking that it's all going wrong behind the scenes, have that air of confidence about you because it might not be as bad as you think it really is. So try to be confident even when times are tough. And the last one for me this week is creating good habits. To create those small little habits to help you build your own self-esteem and confidence but also by completing smaller tasks that you set out tackling things in manageable bite-sized chunks rather than a whole mountain will allow you to get work savvy and progress further down the line of what it is that you're passionate about i hope you've enjoyed this episode if you have why not give us a subscribe and share it with anyone you can in any way that you can because i'd really love for it to help somebody who you think it would bring value to you can follow the get work savvy profile on facebook and twitter I don't know, I need to start posting a bit more frequently, so I'll hold my hands up to that one. But equally, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, what the good bits were, what the bad bits were, any improvements you think I can make, because I am here to learn myself, but also to try and help you guys in your journeys too. So thanks so much for tuning in once again. Until next week, 
try and create some of those good habits that we've been talking about to help you get work savvy. Take care and I'll speak to you soon.